168 hours, 24 times 7, and one of them, just one of them is spent in a place like this on average or logging on from wherever you're watching with your phone, tablet, or computer. And that's why we have decided to do this series called 167. Because like I told you last week, the 167 hours that you spend out there is actually more important than the one hour that you spend here. What happens out there is more important than what happens in here. If you're not a Christian or if you're new to this uh, church thing, if someone's invited you and your first time here or you're just kind of new, this is, this is a great time for you to be here today because, first of all, I'm going to talk about in the next few minutes one of the reasons why you've been so frustrated and maybe so turned off by churches, church people, Christians. And it's good that you're here because I think this is going to encourage you because it's going to show you what it's supposed to be like. We're going to speak to the authenticity of what our lives are supposed to be like. And if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, whether you've been following Jesus for six weeks, 60 days, six years, or 60 years, this is for you. Because it's a problem that all of us have. Even if you consider yourself one of the more mature Christians. And by the way, if you are, you don't have to tell anybody. We know. It, right? If you have to go around telling people, you're not. So, what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes is going to address that. And I want to begin by talking about Las Vegas. I've been to Las Vegas one time. It was a very interesting trip. Uh, I went there with my wife a few years ago. Uh, wasn't all that impressed. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a more of a woodsy, outdoors kind of guy. But I was fascinated by the fact of what you can build in the middle of the desert if you dam up a river and create a lake. Right? I mean, if you dam up the Colorado River and you make Lake Mead, you can build a city out in the middle of the desert. All these lights and everything. And I know some of you are thinking, you're like, Vegas, baby. Yeah, what'd you do? All right, here's the deal. I was there um, with a group of pastors and their wives. We didn't do much. If you want to see a good time in Vegas, go with a bunch of pastors and pastor's wives. Oh, we had a nice time. If anything, it, it just helped remind us of our job security. <laughs> hey, look at all the sinners. Can I get a picture with you? <laughs> no, no. Just, oh, boy. And there's this saying, and you know what it is. And just so I know that everybody's on the same page, I need you to help me with it. I'll do the first part. You do the second part. Here we go. What happens in Vegas? How do you know that? <laughs> There's a commercial out right now that abbreviates it with the, you know, what happens here stays here. And that's supposed to be a good thing if you've been to Vegas. That's a marketing ploy, right? But here's our problem. 
problem is, and it addresses the heart behind why we're doing this series, it's because even though that may be a good thing for Vegas, it's not a good thing at church. Let me explain. The problem is, and for the most part, what happens at church stays at church. That's a problem. What happens while we're here is staying here. That's a problem. The one hour we're spending here is not making that much of a difference in the 167 hours we will spend before we come back again next week. Oh, that is if we have nothing else going on and, you know, Junior's got the, the ball thing and, and if we've got the grass mowed and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So just assuming in 167 hours you'll be back or be watching online again, the one is not making a big enough of a difference. And for some of us, any difference in the 167. Which is interesting because the whole purpose of the one is for the 167. And that's why many non-Christians have been turned off by church. Well, they didn't want anything to do with church or Christians and unfortunately even Jesus. You know why? Because they watch us Christians for one hour. We get our Jesus on. We get all excited. But not much changes in the 167. That's the problem. That's why we're doing this series. Now, let me say right up front, attending church is very important. This one hour is extremely vital. It's very important. And it's important enough for us to make it a significant part of our normal rhythm and routine. But the reason it's so important is that it's connected to the 167. It's not just important for the fact that we're here in and of itself, but we'll say more about that in a minute. It's important because at church, we worship together. Now, mainly through music, we worship God together. And boy, isn't music great? And the fantastic group of volunteers, oh my goodness. A lot of times I'm, I'm backstage, you know, and, and I just want to run out on stage and do something. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Just run around, you know, spike a football, do something. You know, I'm about to come out of my skin back there. I mean, I just love it. Get so excited about who God is. And if you're not a Christian, I know that seems weird. But we believe one day if you get to know God, it'll, it'll freakingly excite you too. So anyway, we worship God together, primarily through music. But what we will learn in the next two weeks is that worship really happens in the 167. It's a life of worship. We'll get there. Relationships. It's important for relationships. Brothers and sisters following Jesus together. Now, we can't really do too much relating here because we're only here for an hour. And most of the time, you know, somebody else is talking like me. And so, but you see each other and you, you share niceties and catch up real quick. Really, the guts of relationship happens in the 167, but we, we, we get the kickstart here. And it's where we learn 
That's where we learn. It's not the only place we learn good thing because you can only so learn so much in an hour. And you're going to need more than what you can get in one hour for the 167. That's why the 167 is so important. And we prepare ourselves. We prepare ourselves in this one hour for the 167. So church is very, 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 very important. But please understand, this one hour is a controlled environment. It's easy in here. It's important at front to understand that church is not a place. It's not a place. And I know we use it, that term like that. I'm going to church. I was at church. Why don't you come with me to church? And there's nothing wrong with using those, those phrases and using it that way. But unfortunately, we fail to remember that church, honestly, bottom line, it's not a building. It's not a place. The scriptures are very clear, and I don't have time to go into the guts of this. Sometime in the next few months, I think we're actually going to be talking about this specifically. But the scriptures are very clear. God says, my spirit does not dwell in a house that's been made by human hands. Not a building, not a place. First Corinthians chapter six, very specific. Paul, under the leadership of God's spirit, reminds us that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God lives within me and within any person who trusts and follows Jesus. And that was the change between the Old Testament before Jesus came and after Jesus died and was buried and rose again. Again, there's a lot of details there, but in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was all about a holy place. But when Jesus came, that changed. And no longer is it about holy places. It's about holy people because it's people where the Spirit of God dwells. And I know there's a lot right there, but you just need to know that substantiates the truth. The church is not a place. It's a people. It's me and you. It's you and me. It's us. It's followers of Jesus. We're the spirit of God in me and the spirit of God in you. And yes, we do gather in buildings and online and we gather in not just buildings. People gather in fields. They gather in basements. They gather in living rooms all over the world, even right now. We are the church. It's not a building. It's people. And it happens Really, church takes place. Because it's people, it takes place in the 167. The 167 hours, we ain't in a building. It's when church really happens. So I guess you could just bluntly just put it like this. Following Jesus is not just about or even mostly about going to church on Sunday. Not even mostly. Not, just, just a small part of what following Jesus is about has to do with the one hour that you and I gather in places like this. Now, this is so important to get clear because the unspoken assumption, and often we just come right out and say it, that our spiritual journey begins when we start going to church. And that's unfortunate because it's not true. You hear people say it all the time. And maybe you've said it, but you'll hear people say it. If you listen to them, you know what? I've decided, I've decided, I've decided to, to, to get my heart right with God. I'm going to start going to church. I've decided to get my life together. You know what? I've decided to give God a try. I'm going to start going to church. Like all you got to do is show up. You were here. Everything else will take care of itself. Just be here. Really? And here's the interesting thing. We use church attendance as a spiritual point of evaluation. 
And you hear people say it, and maybe you found yourself thinking things like, and, and people will come right up to me because they find out I'm a pastor. When they find out I'm a pastor, all kinds of queer, you know, re- weird, crazy things start coming out of people's mouths. You know, you know, say, hey, oh, you're a pastor. Oh, I'm a bad Christian. I'm just, I'm sorry, I didn't ask. Like, oh, no, I'm, I'm a bad. Well, what makes you say that? I haven't been to church in like forever. Like, okay, so you're a bad Christian if you don't go to church. Or people will say the opposite, which is interesting. Oh, man, me and God, we're like that right now. Me and God, I'm just in a groove. I mean, just God, because, man, I've been to church every week in the last six weeks. You know, and or I, was, I went to church this week. I, I went to, me and God, we're, so, we're tight. We're, we're good, man, because I'm, I'm in church now. Well, that's great. That's a very important thing. But see, we've made it synonymous. Spirituality, synonymous with attending church. Now, it is extremely important that you and I are here We've already established that. However, I want you to imagine the reality of this. That Jesus Christ left heaven 2,000 years ago. Lived a perfect, sinless life. Died for the sins of the world, past, present, and future. Means my sins, your sins. Even sins you ain't even committed yet. He gave his life as a payment for those sins. So that anyone that puts their trust in him would receive his new life that is eternal life that lasts forever. And then he died and was buried and rose again just like he said. And he did all of that, imagine, just so that we could sit in a building for one hour a week and sing songs about him. As good as that is. And learn interesting facts about him. And then go home? And then come back next week and do the same thing? Maybe. I mean, it depends on what the kids got going on. And if we got that birthday party in the afternoon, we got to get rid of that. And, 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 you know, didn't get the grass mowed. You know, as long as anything else doesn't, you know, as long as life doesn't happen. Are you with me? Something's horribly wrong with that picture. I think it's insulting to the mission of Jesus. I think it's insulting to the death of Jesus to say that he did everything he did just so that you and I could sit in a seat for an hour on a Sunday morning somewhere in a climate-controlled room and just sing songs, even though that's so important to sing songs together and, and just learn information, even though it's so very important what we are doing here. It's bigger than this. No, Jesus came to do what he did to change something, to make something happen to change people so that we could make something happen, so that we would do something, so that we would live something out in the 167 that we maybe learned about and heard about in the one hour that we were here. Oh, no, no, see, it's so much bigger. Following Jesus happens in the 167. We talk about it in the one. We learn about it in the one. We sing about it in the one. And all of that's very important. Thank God for the one hour that we get to be together But the purpose of the one is to empower the 167. You see, we talk about um, coming to church because we hear the word of God. It is the place that we associate with hearing the word of God and learning the word of God. And that's wonderful. And that's a great thing. And I I hope we do learn together. But even though that is true, you have access to the word of God. 
All throughout the week, many of you have your own personal copies, several of them, and some of you have an app on your phone or your tablet, and, and we'll talk about some of that next week, and great, great tools. Some of you had this big honking Bible on a coffee table in your living room that your grandmother gave you, and it's about that thick, and you open it, and dust flies out of it. It's the family Bible, right? And that's great. It just sits there, open. Nobody reads it. Nobody touches it. You can't play around it, because if you break it, you're out of the family kind of thing, right? It's just like this holy grail the family bible that's great nothing wrong with it at all but you know in the first century it wasn't like that when when christianity got started i mean when it got kicked off in the days when we look back and say, oh, I wish I was there when, I wish I was there. It would have been so cool to be there in those early days and see after the, you know, the resurrection and then there at Pentecost and the church and hear Paul and Peter and John and James and all the apostles. Wouldn't that have been so cool? Yeah, it would be in some ways, but you know that they didn't have a Bible of their own? I mean, the printing press wasn't invented until like 1,500 years later. So when they showed up to worship, nobody was bringing in their own personal copies of the scriptures. We can always tell when someone's new here. They walk in, the Bible here. And listen, I'm not making fun of you. That is great. I'm glad you brought your Bible. You say, are you ashamed of the scriptures? No, we put them on 13-foot screens. We want to make sure you get it, okay? And plus, it's so dimly lit in here, you probably can't read the small print, you know. So it's great. Bring, bring your Bibles. There's nothing wrong with it. But, but, but wait, wait, wait. Back then, you know how you learned the Word of God? You listened. You didn't have anything to read. Had nothing to read. You listened to the apostles. Read and teach. And then you had to remember that and go do something with it. That's why James, the brother of Jesus, in the first century when he decided to write a letter to this first group of Christians in the first century. James is the earliest book, we've talked about this before, in the New Testament. He was the first one to write to that new group of Christians in the first century, to that brand new church, James, the brother of Jesus. Imagine, imagine the excitement. What You could have written about so many different things, and he did. I mean, the book of James, he covers so much in his letter. But one of the first things he decides to, to, to mention, which is fascinating to me, it's so interesting. Of all the things, James, that you feel like God's spirit is leading you to say and to challenge God's people with, what is it? Here's some of his first words. The first group of church, Christians in the first church in the first century. James says, don't just listen to God's word. Remember, that's how they didn't have copies of their own. Didn't have it. So, so when you're listening, don't just listen. You must do what it says. Because evidently, people thought, well, we heard it. We're good. That was good to hear. Man, wasn't that good? That's so good. That was good. That's so good. That boy's good. No. You must do what it says. Why? He keeps going. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey it, or you don't do it, or you don't live it out, you don't apply it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, there I am, and you walk away, but you forget what you look like. Two reasons, he said, to make sure you don't just hear it, but you do it. Number one, 
Because if you don't, if you just hear it and you don't do it, you don't apply it, if you hear something in the one and you don't live it out in the 167, you are fooling yourself. Why is he saying that? Because he knew that hearing the word of God and being in an environment like this for an hour can give you a great feeling. Feeling that makes you think you've done something great when actually you've just had a great experience and you've done nothing. You've talked about it, you've learned about it, you've prayed about it, but you actually haven't done anything yet. And a lot of people will come to churches all over the world and some of you showed up today and some of you logged on today and your intention was, okay, well, I wanna check my Jesus box. And here we go, one hour, man, we're about halfway through, I hope. Yeah, here we go. And, and then you're done and, and then you are now on with your life. I'm good, I'm good to go for my week. Really? Really? He says, you see, it feels good. And it can make you feel like you've accomplished something just being here. He said, so be careful because that nice feeling you have will fool you into thinking that's all you need. You're fooling yourself. And then he goes on to say, and you'll forget it. <laughs> it's like, there I am. That's what I look like. And you go on, you're bombarded with all these other details. And you're like, wait, what was that again? You know? You'll forget it. You ever gotten to Monday and the feeling of Sunday is long gone? Like really long gone. <laughs> like, wow. I mean, and by Tuesday, you don't even remember what we talked about. And that's unfortunate reality. You're going to forget most of what I'm telling you right now unless you do something with it. Let's keep going. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, the word of God, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, watch this, then God will bless you for doing it. <laughs> Notice he did not say he will bless you for hearing it. Now, hearing it may be a blessing. It may feel good. You may feel blessed. But if you want God to bless your life, the blessing comes from the doing, not just the hearing. Not just hearing about how I should live in the next 167 hours, but actually doing it. So I guess you could say the point James is making is this. Just attending leads to just pretending. And I don't know about you, but life is way too short and way too crazy and way too important to pretend. Now, again, I don't want to discourage anybody here that some of you haven't been to church. This is your first time to church like ever. Welcome. I don't mean to offend you in any way. Okay. And some of you, you this is the first time you've been to church in like six weeks. We're glad you're back. And I am not saying that you showed up with intentions to pretend. I'm not going to insult you by that assumption, but I will tell you this. If all you would do is attend, 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 and listen and hear and listen and hear, and all your, your experience with God is is just something up here and maybe a feeling every now and then, ooh, that was nice, and you don't actually put it into practice, before long you will have developed a pattern of pretending something on Sunday that don't make any difference in your life in the next 167 hours. I don't think you want to live that way. I know I don't. 
Like it's when you go to the doctor because you, you know something's wrong with you. And you go to the doctor and you're in doctor, you sit down and you have a great chat and a great talk. And they say, okay, we've done all the tests. Here's what's wrong with you. And so here's what you need to do. You need to stop eating that and start eating that. You need to get more rest and you need to exercise. You need to move. You need to get your blood flowing. You, you've got to. The sedentary lifestyle is going to hasten your death. You have got to move. And fortunately, there's also some medicine you can take. So they've given you like four things. You know, get rest. You got to sleep good at night. And, and you need to eat right. You need to exercise. And here's some medicine that will address the issues you have. And if you'll do these four things, ma'am, sir, you will be well on your way to good health. I mean, as best as we can know. If you don't get hit by train. But you'll be healthy, dead. You see what I'm saying? I mean, we've all had that experience. Like when we go to the doctor and you're, you're walking away from the doctor going, man, I love that doctor. He is so informative. I learned so much. I learned so much about me. I learned so much about, you know, this and that. And oh, it's so good. And, and your husband, your wife asks you, your family member, somebody you work with, hey, how was that doctor's appointment? Oh, it's so good. He is so informative. I learned so much. It's so fascinating. You know, that's why he's so good. If you got anything wrong with you, you need to go to that guy. He will figure you out. But then you do nothing, he said. You don't change your sleeping habits, your eating habits, your exercising habits. In other words, you don't exercise. And you don't take the medicine. I don't want to put medicine in my body. You know, I'm just, I just don't like that medicine. What's going to happen? Nothing's going to change. Because here's the reality that we all know. You don't get healthy by going to the doctor. Going to the doctor don't make you healthy. It makes you poorer. Right? Going to the doctor doesn't make you healthy. Hey, I figured out this week why they call um, us patients. Because that's what they're hoping for out of us. Um, anyway, that'll hit you later. There's a doctor. Because <laughs> I'm waiting forever and they can't figure it out. So, right? Going to the doctor doesn't make you healthy. Going to the church, going to church doesn't make you spiritual. And yet I hear people all the time say things like that. Man, I went to church this week and it was so good. It was so good. It was so good. That music, I felt like, man, I was in heaven. Oh, and that message. Hey, anybody else think the pastor's looking young? Looking young? He's looking younger. I'm telling you, it's just so good, so good, so good. All right, but I want to stop you right there and say, hey, that's nice. You had a nice experience. But here's my question. Has that made a difference in your life? In the, in, in the 167, what have you done with it? I mean, it's great. I'm glad you had a great experience, and I'm glad you intend on coming back if nothing else interferes with you next weekend. But have you done anything about what you learned? Have you applied what it is you talked about? Because, see, that's why, honestly, a lot of people stop going to church. Do you know that? Because a lot of people... Start going to church thinking it will fix an area of their life. And when they start attending church and that area of their life isn't automatically fixed by them going and being there like they thought would happen, then they get discouraged and they stop going. They even stop showing up on the one hour. And you hear people say it all the time. Man, my marriage was a mess. I mean, my kids ain't getting along. And they describe some relationship issue, some relationship crisis. And they said, you know what? I even tried going to church and that didn't work. Well, no, showing up at church ain't going to change anything in your marriage. Showing up at church is not going to change anything in your family. It's not going to change any relationship dynamic. My question to you is, did you apply the principles of God's word for your relationships that you heard and learned about when you were at church in that one hour? 
Because I know we're talking about loving each other and I know we're talking about forgiving each other and I know we've been talking about how patient we should be with one another. Oh, well, now, well, then no wonder. No wonder. Maybe it's financial stuff that gets you to church or gets some people to church, you know? Can't pay their bills. We can't, can't make ends meet. And so I tell you what, we've tried everything else. So let's try church. And say, so, you know what? I even tried church. I even started going to church. We even started getting there. I changed. Instead of going to the lake, instead of doing this, instead of, we just, and I figured, you know, things would turn around. What, did you think you were just going to win the lottery because God saw you here? Or something? No. It's not until you start applying God's principles for financial living that you experience God's blessings financially. Just like you have to apply God's relational principles to expect God to bless you relationally. That doesn't mean all your problems are going to go away. No. But when you start learning what it means to give and then live on less than you make and save God's principles for finances, then, then you begin to experience God's blessings in that area. Maybe it's because you're so worried. Maybe you're dealing with doubt. Maybe you're dealing with fear. And you tried coming to church, and you made you feel good while you were there, and you had this good spiritual buzz feeling for about, you know, five, six hours. But by the time Monday morning came around, it was like you never even went to church. Well, let me ask you this. Are you applying the principles of God's word that addresses that worry, addresses that fear and doubt? And are you learning to hold on to God's promises that he has given to get you through that worry and that fear and that doubt? You see, just attending ain't gonna get it done. You'll just end up just pretending and wondering what happened. Here's the question. I want you to ask yourself. Take a picture of it, write it down. What do I need to do on Monday? with what I heard on Sunday. Because Monday's coming. Hello. It's coming. What do I need to do on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, with what I heard on Sunday? Whatever the topic is, fill in the blank. Because see, if you don't get into this mindset, this is what I heard on Sunday, so this means this is what I need to do on Monday. If you don't get into that mindset, you will fool yourself and you will forget. And it's just human nature. You, I mean, just because you love Jesus and just because you have good intentions, and next week we'll talk about our good intentions, just because you have good intentions doesn't mean that you won't fall prey to fooling yourself and forgetting if you don't apply in the 167 what you experienced in the one. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus that want to go deeper in your walk with God, that's great. I'm glad you do. And people go up to me all the time and they're saying, I want to go deeper, Pastor. I want to go deeper. And I, doesn't that sound weird? Christians, let's admit, that sounds weird for people that are non-Christians. You know, deeper into what? You know, and we know that's code for, you know, we want to get closer to God. You know, I just, I want to go deeper. You know, if we whisper it, it's even more spiritual. You know, if we touch somebody on the shoulder and say, brother, I want to go deeper. I mean, we just know. I mean, that's just like code. All right? And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But let me tell you what deep is. Deep is not just knowing more about God. It's doing something with what you know. Jesus always described depth by living out what you knew, not what you knew by itself. 
All right. So I know you're excited. You know, you know the Greek word, you know, the Hebrew words, nothing wrong with that. And you can trace Paul's third missionary journey forward and backwards. And you got revelations figured out. Nobody else does, but you do. You did because you did this 85 week series on, on, on revelations and, and you got it off. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a time and place for all that kind of stuff, but that does not mean deep. Loving people who are unlovable, that's deep. Forgiving people you don't want to forgive, that's deep. You do that, you're going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And here's the deal. If you will just apply what you know right now, you will go to depths you never imagined in your heart and life with God. What do you need to do on Monday with what you heard? On Sunday. Now, next week, we're going to get a little bit more specific. Next week, we're going to give you some practical tools to help live this out. So, for today, let's just know that what happens here can no longer stay here. This one hour is so important because it empowers the next 167 hours that you're getting ready to experience. And I know there are many people who are content and even not just content, they're passionate. They're passionate about having some super wow spiritual Sunday morning experience that really doesn't mess with their life the rest of the week, but not up in here. That's not the way we see it. That's not the way God sees it. And as your pastor, I have absolutely no interest whatsoever in designing worship spiritual experiences on Sunday that just stay on Sunday. Personally, I'm interested in the 167. I want you to join me. I invite you to join me. Let's, let's not be the average church goer that's there to have been there. Let's take the one and let it inspire the next 167 because it's that important. Let me invite you to pray with me. I'm gonna pray for us. I want you to pray for you. You don't need to pray for the one because this one's about done. You need to be asking God to help you in the next 167 hours to be living out the things that you've learned. Our Father, may we no longer give ourselves permission to just attend because we fool ourselves, we forget, and that leads to a life of pretending. And life is too short and too important to pretend about the things that are most important. Help me, help us, to discover what we need to do on Monday with what we learn on Sundays, with what we hear, and we have such an advantage over the Christians in the first century because we get to read, not just hear. They could only hear because they didn't have personal copies of your word. We have that, unlimited access even. So may we do something with what we've heard and what we read. And you promise to bless us for doing it, not just reading it, but for doing it, not just hearing it, 
but may we be driven to do it. And may this one hour empower the next 167. And may we focus on receiving your love and sharing your love, not just in this one hour, but we receive it most and share it in the greatest ways in between the times that we sit in these seats and gather in this room. I need that level of authenticity in my life. Help me to choose it. Help us to choose it because the world needs that level of authenticity from us. In Jesus' name, amen.